The FT. Sweden is facing a period of political instability after an inconclusive election toppled the centre-right government of Fredrik Reinfeldt, but left his centre-left opponent Stefan Löfven significantly short of a majority in Parliament. The centre-left added only 0.1 percentage points to its share of the vote. Instead, the most striking performance was by the Sweden Democrats, born out of a neo-Nazi movement. I spoke to Richard Milne, Nordics correspondent, about the result. Hi, Richard. First of all, what went wrong for Mr. Reinfeldt, given that he was regarded as a reformer who helped the Swedish economy outperform the U.S. and the rest of the EU? I think the first thing to be said is that Sweden historically has long been a left-wing country. Uh, Social Democrats ruled for about 65 of the 75 years from the start of the Second World War. So, I mean, they were a massively dominant force. In fact, Mr. Reinfeldt is the first centre-right prime minister ever to serve two terms. So already one could say that his achievements were great. But I think you you see a sort of similar picture, uh, not just across my region, but in other countries. It's very difficult for governments to win a third term. Angela Merkel's done it in Germany, but she's more of an exception. If you saw in Norway last year, a similar picture where the the Social Democrats themselves lost power to the Conservatives. So I think mostly it was that Swedish voters were ready for a change. Were there any other issues that particularly influenced the voters, do you think? I think that Middle-class voters were worried that Sweden's welfare standards appeared to be on decline. Mr. Reinfeld prioritised tax cuts, and he also brought in private sector companies to run public sector tasks. So you saw um, private equity companies owning schools, owning hospitals. And I think this just led to a feeling that maybe the pendulum had swung too far among many Swedes. But the problem was that at the same time as there was really a lack of great enthusiasm for the centre-left alternative. And although the centre-left proposed cracking down somewhat on these private companies running uh, public sector things, they they didn't go particularly far on that. Can you tell us something about Mr Löfven? What kind of a politician is he? Well, he's no kind of politician at all, actually. He, um, he's a former welder, but his main job was as head of the IF Metal Union, which is the sort of main uh, industrial trade union here. That means that he's really rather close to businesses. Businesses and trade unions have a very close relationship in Sweden. And so he's something of a skilled negotiator, but really very wet behind the ears in a political sense. And so this has been used to criticise him, that uh, he'll be the first person, I think, in 100 years or maybe even ever to not have been an MP and not to have been a minister who will become prime minister. So uh, that's really striking. But at the same time, I mean, he's... His main task now is going to be to try to form a coalition, and for that, his union negotiating skills could come uh, very much in handy. What are his options in terms of coalition partners, and do you think he'll be able to form a stable government that will last four years? That is the big $64 million question, and I think most people expect him only to be able to form a weak government. There is a certain strand of opinion that he may not even last to the end of the year, so we could have new elections at the start of the year. I don't think that's yet the dominant view, but um, that's explained by his options. His main coalition partner would be the Green Party, so together the Social Democrats and the Greens are a pretty good fit, 
but they only get to about 40% of the vote, just under 40%. The main problem is that together they're actually smaller than the four centre-right parties who make up the government currently. So that leads to a lot of parliamentary instability. So uh, Mr Levin's already ruled out one option, which would have been to bring in the ex-communists of the left party and move the government to the left. That he said no to. His preferred option would be to um, try and take one or two of the smaller centre-right parties that are currently in the government. So that would probably be the Liberals, first of all, and maybe the centre party. Now, both of them have said that they're not interested at the moment, but they're also coming under massive pressure, both from within their parties, from the business world and from trade unions to try and form a coherent government and in particular to thwart the populist Sweden Democrats. Turning to the Sweden Democrats, I mean, how worrying is the rise of this party and what influence, if any, will they bring to bear on policy? To answer the second bit first, it's very unlikely they'll bring any influence on government policy. All the other seven parties who are in parliament have said they don't want to work with the Sweden Democrats. There's no party really that proposes restricting immigration in any way apart from the Sweden Democrats. Sweden Democrats want to cut it by 90%. Sweden takes in pretty much the highest number of immigrants per capita of any EU country. As for how worrying their rise is, I think it fits the European pattern of a rise of these populist anti-immigration parties. I mean, I think, as in many countries, it would be wrong purely to see these uh, parties as as reflecting an anti-immigration vote. I think they often reflect an anti-establishment vote, and that makes it quite powerful. They still have only got 13% of the vote as total, but they are the third largest party. I think the worrying thing is probably to bring it back to your first question. Uh, Sweden has performed economically better than the rest of the EU, uh, even the US, since the financial crisis. Unemployment is relatively low at 8%, and yet still you've got a party like the Sweden Democrats scoring so highly. That has to be a cause for concern. And finally, to bring it back to the task of forming a government, I mean, with 13% sitting in between the left and the right, it makes forming any purely left or purely right government almost impossible. So that's why Mr. Levin is looking to the right or looking to go across the political blocks. So how has the business community reacted and are we likely to see any economic policy shifts from the new government? Business community is rather worried. This is a kind of political uncertainty, if not to say uh, instability, that Sweden really hasn't experienced before. It's been an oasis of stability since the financial crisis. Business is probably relieved that Mr Levin has ruled out a a coalition with the left party. They were seen as really the most business unfriendly. They are worried about the Green Party. The Green Party wants to close the city centre airport in Stockholm, wants to shut down nuclear reactors, and the Social Democrats are seen as in conflict on some foreign policy and defence matters. But I think business would welcome any sign of any cooperation between the Social Democrats and the right. In terms of economic policy shifts, no massive ones, but there are a few things to watch out for, not least that during the campaign, Mr. Levin said he wanted to see whether the Riksbank, which is the world's oldest central bank, should get a new mandate to include an unemployment target. 
I think the real difficulty is, again, going back to the parliamentary situation, it's really unclear uh, what policies he's going to be able to get through. But in the central issue, a centre-left government would be pretty similar to a centre-right government on the big economic questions. And finally, what kind of direction will the country's foreign policy take now that Mr Reinfeldt has gone? Mr Reinfeldt and also his very influential foreign minister, Carl Bildt, who himself was a centre-right prime minister in the 1990s. Mr Bildt's um, been very vocal in his criticism of Russia. It seems unlikely that a uh, social democrat foreign minister, whoever that might be, Margot Wallström is mentioned as a possible name, would be so vocal. It is also likely that under a social democrat government, the probably wouldn't be quite so influential. The Social Democrats have emphasised that they are keener to see a more active role uh, in conflicts and so forth for the United Nations. So Sweden, despite being uh, non-aligned, they don't say neutral anymore, has actually taken part in some NATO missions. Mr Levin has made it clear that the first military deployment in his government will be for a UN mission, not for a NATO mission. And I think if we look at the security situation in the Baltic Sea as a whole, if you look at Poland, uh, the Baltic countries, Norway and Denmark would very much like Sweden and Finland to join NATO. They're the two countries in the region that aren't in NATO. That um, is much less likely to happen with the Social Democrat-led government. Thank you very much, Richard. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.